Jordan. Salam alaikum, You'll Julia. listen to you. <laughs> I knew you'd do something like that. And you know what? Mm-hmm. The, I'm not sure about food on a stick, but we're going to find that out. Yeah. Yes. Well, I'd say there, there will be in this place. Absolutely. Yes. Jordan, Jordan, it's a country with a very rich history and amazing experiences in store for every single traveller who goes there. I'm sure they're even more surprised than they expect to be. And it's located in the Middle East, of course, Mm -hmm. and bordered by Syria, Iraq, Saudi Arabia and Israel. We forget that it has so many borders. Mm. But when it comes to tourist attractions, Ben, it offers World Heritage listed sites, beautiful desert landscapes. And of course, delicious food. Now it's yeah, your all dream my kind destination. Of things, those, yes, Julia, absolutely. Yeah, I, you, your m- number one bucket list, Ben. It's right up there. Yeah, um, I'm not 100 percent sure why I haven't actually been yet, but I've wanted to go for a long time. Yeah, people who go come back just almost in dreamland about how exquisite it is and how they. It's surpassed every possible imagination they had about a destination. Yeah. What's, what is it about it that you're interested in? So I, I'd say the first time Jordan kind of popped onto my radar would have been, probably showing my age a bit here, but in the late 80s in an Indiana Jones movie where yeah. he stumbles on what what I now know was um, Petra. So that incredible scene where he's looking down oh. that kind of chasm and you see the treasury building carved into the red stone wall and immediately I just kind of thought, what is that? And I've got to go there. So, um, yeah, Petra, it starts, I, I think Jordan for a lot of people starts with Petra yeah. and then as they dig around a bit more, they get their heads around Amman, Amman, Jordan, the capital, which is an amazing, amazing city. Um, there's also the Dead Sea, there's Red Sea Coast, so resorts down on the Red Sea Coast. And, of course, a really famous um, part of Jordan is Wadi Rum, which is an amazing, um, dramatic landscape, effectively gorges and canyons and in a, in a kind of desert environment. So lots of people head out there for kind of luxury camping and adventurous pursuits. Um, Bedouin culture that you would yeah. find a lot about. So you're camping and glamping out there. Yeah, you can do. Yeah. I can imagine those sunsets with a glass of wine would be just extraordinary. Beautiful. Yes. Yeah. And some slow-cooked lamb or something amazing that's been cooked under the uh, under the earth would be fantastic. On a stick. <laughs> Could possibly have a small portion of it, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Now, Petra, mm-hmm. which is pretty much up on mine, yeah. uh, my bucket list, is, d- do you know, four times the size of Manhattan. Wow. It's enormous. Uh, you, you, and, and the suggestion is that the best way to get around Petra is to walk. Right. Uh, that's because some serious walking. That's some serious yeah. walking because yeah. there's so many beautiful things. Yeah. But I'm a bit with you. I forgot about the movie, Ben. I just see images of it and think... It's it's grandness is awesome, isn't it? That it's it's so big. Well, just you... that that particular building, that treasury yeah. building, yeah. is astonishing to look at, and I immediately just wanted to step inside and see what's in behind that incredible carved facade. Yeah, and and to try and get your head around how quite how old it is, you know, around two thousand years old or something ridiculous like that. So, just imagine what that place was like when it was a real hub of trade and the great trade routes kind of converging in somewhere like Petra. I mean, who were these people who built this thing? I just who want, were I these want to people? find out. We need to. We're going to have to talk to Dana about this. I'd say. From Jordan Tourism, yeah. we will because she's going to give much, much better information than you and I who yeah. were just hoping to be there as opposed yeah. to being able to say anything. Yeah. I think I think that's a really good question. Who were those people? Mm. Can you imagine the hive of activity when they were actually mm-hmm. building it and the architects and the people who were just measuring it to 
in in millimeters, yeah. extraordinary. Yeah, who, like who who did the original sketch? You know, yes. on a clay tablet yes. or something. I mean, and who was there saying, "No, no, you're three inches too yeah. wide" or whatever? Yeah. Amazing, brilliant, and beautiful. But that's yeah. only one part of Jordan, and we it need is. to find out. It is. About the I, look, I'd love to go to uh, Amman. I mean, yes. I find a lot of those cities in the Middle East absolutely fascinating and welcoming and delicious. And um, I don't, occasionally, I see something on TV that just makes me has me reaching for my wallet and. Um, I saw Ainsley Harriet do an episode of a street food show or something like that on Amman, and it was absolutely mind blowing. So, um, well worth a look, Julia, if you can track that down. But yeah, he, he you know, kind of explores the um, incredible range of influences on Jordanian cuisine. So, loads and loads of food from other parts of the region. You know, he bumps into Palestinian bakers and and a Syrian goes into a Syrian ice cream shop and befriends a whole bunch of people that bring that place to life. Let's yeah. move on to our guests because they're going to be much better informed than Fantastic. you and I. I yes, we'll wait. just dream. We'll get them to paint the picture for us. We will. Good one. Well, we're about to speak to Dana Karufe, who is Area Marketing Manager at the Jordan Tourism Board. And Dana, lucky us, is going to tell us all about all the wonderful things we can do in Jordan. Dana, welcome to the show and thank you for taking the time to chat with us. Now, before we begin, Dana, can you just explain without a map in front of us where Jordan sits? So Jordan is between three different continents, so Asia, Europe and um, Africa. And so it's a perfect it's a perfect um, location for people who want to travel to Jordan. It it is it's it's sort of like the hub of where everything that matters yeah. <laughs> comes together. So has that affected Jordan at all? Has yeah. the influ- what have the influences been as a, as a result of being in the middle of the world, as it were? Well, yeah, as you said, it's kind of like a hub where you can get the connection is really great to Jordan uh, with all the airlines flying um, or stopping by into Jordan. This really has helped us. The connection with the flights has really helped tourism in Jordan as well. Ben and I both dying to get to Jordan um, and we know it's a country with rich history and that there's so much for travellers to see and do. In your opinion, what are the must-see yeah. attractions that every traveller who visits Jordan should experience? Indeed, there are countless experiences and sites to visit. And even though Jordan is a small country, it actually boasts five UNESCO World Heritage Sites. Wow. So you have the famous Petra, which is one of the new Seven World Wonders, um, Wadi Ram, where many Hollywood movies were filmed, including Aladdin and The Martian. You can camp under a million stars. Um, with activities such as 4x4 jeep tours and camel rides. There's Qasr Amja, which is one of the most well-preserved desert castles that we have here in Jordan. The fourth site is Omer Rasas, which has stunning mosaic floors, which depict images from the Byzantine era and referred to in both the Old and New Testaments in the Bible. And finally, um, the baptism site, which is the official site where Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, um, and also, I would recommend Sharash, which is one of the largest and most well-preserved uh, cities outside of Rome. So we definitely would recommend them. So, so when you talk about it's it's where Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. How much of of those religious sites are there in Jordan? Because they just actually must move you enormously yeah. when you visit. 
Yeah, there are actually many uh, religious, Christian religious sites in Jordan uh, that not many know about. There are around 34 sites, I would say. Oh, that's a lot. So other than the baptism, what are yeah, the, what are the main other three, would you say? So there is Mount Nebo. Um, there is also um, Omer Asaf and Mkawir. All heavily based in the New Testament, I'm assuming. Yes. They probably would take you off the beaten track and would be amazing to see and experience. What what do you think other sites are that that travellers who want to get off the beaten track should visit? Um, Assault is definitely worth visiting. Um, it's a town just 25 kilometres away from Amman. Um, people can experience the downtown and Assault. Uh, walk through the Harmony Trail, which shows the coexistence between the two religions in Jordan, which is Christianity and Islam, where you have churches and mosques right next to each other. It also has um, Ottoman architecture as it flourished during the Ottoman period and actually used to be the capital city long ago. Um, There's also agri-tourism activities around Jordan that empower local communities and offer visitors unique activities authentically run by the locals. Um, we've also launched the Meaningful Travel Map, which currently has 12 experiences and social enterprises that give back to the local women and the local communities in Jordan. Oh, travelers um, would love For that. a bit of adventure. Yes. Yeah. So for a bit of adventure, there's a canyon named uh, Wadi al-Hidan and Wadi al-Hasa, which are both beautiful canyons full of water and natural springs where you can hike through them. And, um, well, for more adventure trails, I would urge you to visit the website of the Jordan Trail, which has shown such a huge demand and success in Jordan. It's jordantrail.org. Well, you know, the canyon sites sound wonderful because we're going to ask you when we've finished talking to you where people can find out more information about what you've told us. Because if they're absolutely beautiful canyon sites, is it something that people expect when they come to Jordan? Yeah, definitely. I would really recommend them. Actually, Jordan is full of uh, canyons where you can hike through them um, all around Jordan. They're countless. So then you can be an intrepid adventurer when you come to Jordan as well as go and see all the other exquisite. Oh, definitely, yes. yes. Yeah, definitely. Which which um, is good for the next question, Dana, which is what's the best way to get around Jordan? Is it taxis? Is it public transport? Is it coaches? Um, what would you suggest for the traveller? So car rental and driving is very easy in Jordan. There are many signs in English and there's always Google Maps, so you can just rent a car. Um, other than that, there are taxis all over Jordan. You can even use Uber if you want. There are also um, scheduled buses from Amman, the capital city, to Petra and Aqaba. Or coach touring or driving yourself? Yeah. So you can rent a car yourself and drive through Jordan, or you can take um, scheduled buses that go all the way to the south of Jordan to Petra and Aqaba. Okay. Petra is probably one of the most exquisite places that I imagine you could ever, ever, ever visit. What When travellers get to Petra, what can they do? So people usually think that Petra ends where the famous treasury is. And as a matter of fact, Petra is a huge city with more than 20,000 inhabitants that lived there um, thousands of years ago. Yeah. So the um, the Sikh Trail is the most visited trail in Petra. So it starts from the visitor center through the Sikh to the treasury. 
So while most tourists think that the trail ends here, the tre- um, past the treasury, there's past the Sikh as well, there's also royal tombs. And then you move on upwards to reach the monastery. And that offers a fantastic view over the area. There's also the new museum in Petra that has recently been opened near the visitor center. Um, also, to change things up a little bit, there's the Petra Kitchen Experience, where you get to experience cooking your own Jordanian meal. It's Whoa. kind of like a cooking class. So there's also Petra by Night, uh, where you get to experience it uh, with um, 1,800 candles that light it, and it's truly out of this world. Um, you walk through the Sikh to the treasury following a candlelit path, and you enjoy the music of the Bedouins at the treasury. And it's three times a week, every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Um, there's also a trail that's absolutely phenomenal. It's called um, Jabal al-Khubsa. Um, after you finish the trail and once you reach the top, it gives you a phenomenal view of the treasury from the top, where you can get like a bird's eye view. Perfect for a selfie, I would say. <laughs> there's also Little Petra, which many people don't know about. It's to the north of Petra with very similar carved facades. So basically you really would need about three days to properly visit most of Petra. Wow. Now, is it the same when travellers visit Amman? So in Amman, there's also so much to do. There's the Roman theatre, which dates back to the second century AD, um, built into three sides of the hillside. It seats around 6,000 people and is still used for performances today in concerts. Um, there's also the citadel in the middle of Amman uh, with ruins from the Neolithic and Bronze and Roman period. There's also the Rainbow Street, which is lined with cafes and restaurants and pubs and a few art galleries here and there. But this street is really a must-visit location in Amman, I would say. Um, so Amman is really a mix between old and new or modern, um, where you have the old downtown and you have the new downtown. Um, the new downtown is called Abdali. Um, so the old downtown has many markets, such as the spice market, the fruits and vegetable market, the gold market, many souvenir shops as well. While on the other hand, in Abdali, you have the new developments and the hotels, restaurants, rooftops, and a mall. So quite different. There are many museums in Amman that you can see. I knew you would give us an answer that was going to inspire us to go there as well. And now for another one, um, tell us a bit about the Bedouin culture and the climbing and camping holidays travellers can experience in Jordan. Yeah, Bedouins in Jordan are very well known for their generosity and hospitality and they really proudly take care of their visitors. Um, This can be experienced in Wadi Ram, for example, where you can camp in the desert with as I said, the amazing views of the million stars that fill the sky. Um, and you can experience Bedouin music and food during your stay in one, in one of the many camps that are in Waziram. If you're into astronomy, then there's stargazing with the largest telescopes in Jordan where you have a laser-aided stargazing show, sky-gazing show. Um, there's hot air balloon experiences, 4x4 jeep tours in the sand dunes, and the Nabataeans, which is an ancient Arab um, nomadic tribe responsible for the architectural marvels in Petra, they left their mark in the desert of Waziram as well. So you can find lots of remains of temples and water systems in key areas in the Ram Desert, in addition to the carvings and location markers used by ancient traders back in the day. 
Oh, dear me, it sounds good. Just let me take you back to something you said a little earlier. There's a lot of places to eat and in Petra that's it's food is very splendid. Food full stop in Jordan. What is the cuisine like? My favourite topic, I would say, and, and many <laughs> Jordanians as well. So um, generally, Jordanian food is part of and very similar to the Levant cuisine, which is food that is similar to Lebanese, Syrian and Palestinian food. They have very similar dishes and appetizers, such as falafel and hummus and shawarma, which is chicken or beef cut into thin slices. And food is commonly used by Jordanians to really express their hospitality and generosity. And Jordanians by nature are very hospitable to people. And uh, it's presented within minutes of a person's invitation to any local home. So the diversity in the geography around Jordan really influences the food. In the north, it's a greener area. You have more agriculture and their food has more vegetables as well. In the south, it's more of a desert and hence more meat. Also down south in Aqaba, um, there's the Red Sea, where Aqaba is. Um, so their dish is sayadiyya, which is rice and fish, which really makes sense because of all their geography. So once you visit Jordan, you must try mensaf. It's the national dish of Jordan, and it's served with Arabic rice, uh, lamb, and a flavorful broth of this special dried yogurt. Uh, and Mensaf is the national pride of Jordan, I would say, which often symbolizes a joyous occasion. And it also, it's actually served during condolences as well. Um, then when you go to the south um, of Jordan in Wadi Ram, you have to try Zerb. Um, so Jordan, as I said, boasts a rich Bedouin tradition where you can, uh, and you can relive this in Wadi Ram. So Zerb is lamb or chicken with herbs and vegetables. And it's actually buried in an oven um, with hot coal that is dug into the ground and coated with bricks to seal in the authentic rich flavors. And it's slowly roasted for a few hours. So kind of like an old oven in the ground. So pretty phenomenal. Uh, You can also enjoy a meal at numerous local homes across Jordan to experience hospitality as well. Is it basically spicy or is it flavored in a different way, Dana? Yes, it's it's very similar. Um, as I said, the, the geography kind of influences the, the type of food. Um, but yeah, generally very similar, as, as I said, also um, similar to the Levant cuisine as well. But spicy? In terms of spices, we use this spice called um, sumac, which is a, like a ground berry and it has like a tangy lemony flavor. Uh, usually, actually, it's mixed with za'atar, which is ground thyme, and we mix it with the samak and uh, sesame seeds and salt. And this is eaten with bread that is uh, drenched into olive oil first and then put into the za'atar mix that we that I just talked about. And za'atar and samak are used in several dishes, whether salads or even main dishes as well. Can I ask you, uh, what do people drink? Yeah. So usually after food, um, there's um, Jordanians usually drink tea with mint. Yes. Um, or during food, it's uh, lemon with mint as well, which is very popular in Jordan, or Arabic coffee. And the last food question, yep. your main dessert? It, it would be, I would definitely recommend knafe as a dessert. It's like a sweet pastry soaked in sugar-based syrup made with layers of shredded dough on top of cheese and fresh cream, and it's topped with a sprinkle of pistachio nuts. 
absolutely yeah. delicious. That sounds wonderful. Now, Dana, we just when we're talking to people about their travels, um, we like to know everybody has a sort of moment, a single single thing that stands out for them. Doesn't necessarily need to be big, but just something that that you know is in your memory as having touched you specifically in a, in a wonderful way. What would yours be about Jordan? When I was in Wadi Rum, um, which is a desert in the south of Jordan, where you get to camp in the desert with a million stars, as I said, um, there was a really special moment when we were around the campfire with people from different parts of the world all gathering around the fire um, and just talking to, getting getting to know new people and, and really feeling um, this special moment under the stars. It was it was really nice. One of my favorite moments, I would say. I can imagine that was an absolutely beautiful one. Now, if people want to find out, if our listeners want to find out more about travel in Jordan, Dana, um, where should they go? Well, they can definitely visit um, the website, which yes. is visitjordan.com. Yes. Um, I would also urge them to, to follow um, our social media platforms or channels uh, with the tag name Visit Jordan. And for those traveling individually, they can um, purchase the Jordan Pass, which includes entry into more than 40 sites in Jordan, including Petra and Baziram. And it also includes the cost of the visa upon entry at the airport, which is great. And um, the Jordan Pass is actually around 140 Australian dollars. And the website for it is jordanpass.joe. And yeah, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you very much for for your time and for having me. Well, you've made Jordan sound absolutely beautiful. No doubt it is. The terrible thing is that when we sit here and talk and hear something as amazing as what you've just described, it's a real pity not to be able to walk out and hop on a plane and be there tomorrow doing all the wonderful things that you've suggested. Thank you. You've given us an extraordinary description of Jordan. Our great pleasure to speak with you. Listeners, our next guest is Maria Haddad, who is one of three sisters who run a cook and dine restaurant called Beit City, let me spell it, B-E-I-T-S-I-T-T-I, in Amman in Jordan. Now, Maria is going to tell us all about food in Jordan, which we can't wait to hear about. So, Maria, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Julia. I'm very excited to tell you a lot about Arabic today. Well, we can't wait. Now, tell us a little bit first about your business. What does the name mean? And if travellers visit and come and dine with you, what can they expect? So, basically, literally translated, it actually means my grandmother's house. When we were very young, we used to go to my grandmother's house and we used to learn how to cook Arabic food from her. And... Um, when she passed away, we decided we wanted to keep her house open and to keep her memory going. But really what we do at the city is more of a social business. We work to support local women by bringing them to come and, you know, give these classes. And that way they're actually becoming, you know, actually becoming self-sustainable. They're actually helping sort, you know, support themselves uh, financially. Oh, it sounds absolutely wonderful what you're doing. Now, um, let me ask you about more about food. What what do you think are the hallmarks, the main things of Jordanian cuisine? So let me tell you a little bit about Jordanian cuisine. Jordanian cuisine, 
is actually just three dishes. If you really want to think about it, it's menta, which is cured meat. It cured, um, it's cured milk that, you know, turned into rocks. Oh. It's cooked with lamb. That's, that's the main cuisine that you will find really that's truly, truly Jordanian because Jordan was a desert a long time ago. This is, I'm talking like a hundred years ago. And so what happened is with all the influx of, you know, the Palestinians coming in, the Lebanese coming in, the Syrians coming in, it's really what we're talking about is Levantine food. So it's food that you find in Syria, Jordan, um, Damascus, like Syria, Jordan, Lebanon, um, even Egypt. And uh, that kind of food is what we're going to be talking about today because Jordanian food, like I said, is only strictly one dish. It's menta. So Can you I explain the dish? I to talk to you about, about the whole, yes, the menta dish. Yeah. It's, uh, because Jordan was a desert, uh, what, pe- what they wanted to do to cure uh, milk, to keep milk you know, fresh, uh, it's a baking, was they would use, use, your, use the milk and sometimes camel milk and sometimes cow milk, and they would churn it. And then when they churn it, they keep adding salt to it to cure it so that eventually it becomes a piece of rock, like a rock, you know? Yes. And that way you can store it for a really long time and you don't need refrigerators, of course. Wow. And that, specifically that rock, forms jamid, which is what goes on the mantap. It's like a yogurt. And we cook it with a beautiful, you know, lamb stock. It's actually a delicious dish, honestly. And I recommend every person coming to Jordan to try it. It's called Manta. But try it at a good place, okay? Because yes. when you cook lamb, you want to cook it correctly, you know? And we boil it like, the first time we boil it, we throw the stock out and we boil it again and again until we get that beautiful, you know, clear stock that we're looking for. So it's a... It's basically a dish that starts with uh, a bread called shrak bread, and then we layer it with rice. And then on top of the rice, we add the pieces of lamb that were beautifully, you know, boiled for hours. And then we add our jamie, the 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 the, the kind of like churned. Uh, you know, cured milk that I was telling you about. So if your cured milk is as hard as a rock, as you said, is it sort of like a a very hard cheese, sort of? Yeah, it it doesn't stay like that. <laughs> we cook it. But thank you for asking, Julia. That was my follow-up. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> we have to, you know, boil it. <laughs> boil it in water so it becomes more of like, you know, uh, a sauce. <laughs> Right. Okay. Well, you know what? Whatever, however you did it, it it sounds pretty delicious and something that people should try specifically when they're in Jordan. They they should for sure. Yes. For sure. So wait, then let's go back to Levantine food, which is what you're talking about. Yeah. What what are the mm-hmm. what are the characteristics that have all been brought together for something that you describe as one yeah. word, which is Levantine? Uh, I would say wholesome, to be honest, because like. The food that's served in you know, our home is very full, like it's very rich. There's always either meat, chicken, fish. I wouldn't go so far as to say fish because fish is not very prevalent in um, Levantine food. So I would say meat or chicken. And there has to be a lot of vegetables and rice. That's a very traditional dish that you would find 
on a, on a Jordanian table, you know, for lunchtime because lunch is our main meal. So um, I would say things like matlube, which is uh, something we make a lot of at Big City. It's, it's uh, literally translated matlube means flipped upside down. And it's basically uh, vegetables that are in season. We can use cauliflower, eggplant, potatoes, peas and carrots sometimes. But what we like to do at Big City, we use it, we pair all three. So we do eggplant, cauliflower, and potatoes. We layer them at the bottom of a pot with beautifully boiled chicken. And then we spice some rice, add it on top of that, and we cook it with a chicken stock. And it becomes like a nice layer of, you know, pilaf rice that's cooked for around 45 minutes in a nice pot on the fire. And then when we flip it, it should look like a cake. And that's a very nice dish that people like to eat. Usually this dish is paired with a farmer's salad because, uh, it's, first of all, the farmer's salad is cucumber, parsley, tomato, mint, that we chop very finely and we dress it with onion, sumac, pomegranate molasses, olive oil, and lemon wow. juice. And that's a beautiful, beautiful salad that we pair with the ma'lube. If you want something really adventurous or really like a local, yeah. in all that you've described, what mm. would that be? I would say, honestly, malukhiye. And actually, we have that as, you know, we call this dish for the adventurer. And it's because it's a beautiful dish, honestly. And it's something, for instance, it's actually one of my favorite dishes. Zina, my sister, she used to eat it every single day when we were kids. <laughs> Mulukhiya, that's the name. So I'm going to spell it for you because yes, it's please. very hard to say. M-U-L-U-K-H-I-Y-E-H. Mulukhiya. Mulukhiya, okay. yes. And that, yeah, that is a herb, okay? And it's a, it's a herb that looks like this, but much bigger, okay? Yes. And what we do with it is we, when it's in season, we pick that herb. It's like a very long leaf. And we um, blend it or we chop it. We have like a mezzaluna and we chop it by hand. Then we basically cook it in a pot with, we boil chicken or meat. You can boil chicken or meat. In Syria, they make it with meat and chicken, a combination. Right. In Jordan, they make it with chicken. And so uh, we boil boil chicken separately and then we saute garlic coriander. And then we add the mulukhiya. It's like, it becomes a very like, like, um, I don't know what the word is, slimy, actually. The word is slimy, but <laughs> don't let that deter you, okay? <laughs> it becomes a very, like, slimy, gooey green stuff. And you put it on top of the coriander and the garlic, and it becomes a beautiful soup. Then we add our chicken stock to it. Yes. And it's so, like, you know, for me, it tastes like home, but also it's, if you ever feel like, you know, homesick or if you're tired or, you know, because it has the chicken stock in it, it's very nice. We eat it on top of rice. So, again, we put rice and then we put the mulukhiya. Then we put lemon juice or uh, vinegar with chopped onion. And then we add pieces of fried bread. Like also becoming like a staple in Arabic cooking. So I have to tell bit, you. Bits of crunch to add crunch to it. I'm a bit with fried your sister. Bread. I would think I would like to be eating that 
all uh, each day as well. But I'm just going to oh move my on. God, it's so good, Julia. It sounds <laughs> it sounds very delicious, slimy and all, my Maria. It is, sounds I very good. So much when you ask me about food, <laughs> so like you have to tell me, Maria. Okay, enough. Let's move on to the next. Maria, enough. Let's move on to drinks. What's happening with? <laughs> Thank um, you. Yeah. <laughs> what What are we drinking in Jordan? <laughs> oh, okay. So we drink mint lemonade a lot. Mint lemonade. And everywhere you go, mint and lemonade. Yeah, it's a, if you want something cold. And if you want something warm, we drink mint with tea or sage with tea. And every single tea you taste will have a lot of sugar. So we drink a little bit of sugar, like a lot of sugar with a little bit of tea, especially in the desert. So is, is, it, is it it's sugar? I, is is this? It's not honey. No, not honey. No, Just no. sugar. A uh, sugar, sugar with tea, and also if you want to drink coffee, you're gonna be drinking. We call it Turkish coffee, which I know you know, or you know Greek coffee. It's exactly the same, and we add cardamom to it. Right. So so it is that sort of vaguely, not biting spicy, but. But that lovely aromatic spicy sense throughout yeah. the cooking. So then, let me ask another question: If a traveller is invited to a dinner party in Jordan or a dinner in Jordan, is there anything in particular mm. they need to know? Are there customs that of things that you should do that you shouldn't do? What would you advise? Yes. Or is or you just turn up yes, and you be a, a damn good dinner guest? Be a good talker. No, there's also some things that you need to know. First of all, don't go on time. Like, don't show up on time, okay? Because Jordanians, they're always, you know, for us, it's it's very, like, normal to be a little bit late. Is that it's the norm. 15 so minutes, you, 30 yeah, minutes, uh, 15 minutes. Yeah, I would say, like, 10, 15 minutes. Give the host some time, you know, to prepare. Right. <laughs> so don't show up on time, except if you're coming to a basic class. We start, you know... Uh, on time but if you don't show up on time that's one thing and second thing it's always nice if you can take something with you something small it doesn't have to be something big but just like you know uh, uh, anything works a bottle of Ara which is you know Arak is the tradition it's like Uzo it's an Anista drink that we mix with water right that's the alcoholic beverage that we have in Jordan uh, you can also take like, you know, chocolate, ma'amul, uh, uh, something uh, like um, we have baklava, knafe, all these desserts you can take with you. Uh, if you can't, it's very fine. It's very okay. One thing that you're going to notice when you're at the dinner table, the host will keep adding food to your plate, okay? Yes. You have, you, you don't have to finish it, okay? But you have to tell him to stop. Yani, they will not stop adding food to your plate. Okay, it's uh, it's very important for you to keep that in mind. So the first plate, I would recommend eating a small one, small portion, because it's a sign of respect when you take another plate. Oh, okay. So what? So what? It, it, when you say at the end, uh, "Thank you very much," enough. Um, is are you disrespecting yeah. your host, or is that just part and parcel of the of the? Um, no, it's part and parcel. You Etiquette, have to say it. yes. <laughs> because otherwise, yes. they won't stop putting on your plate. So you can keep on. You can say no, and that's that's absolutely fine. 
Yes. Oh, of course, of yeah. course you can say no, yeah. Listen, I have to say coming to dinner at somebody's place in Jordan sounds pretty damn nice. Maria. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is, Julia. We're waiting for you to come. <laughs> well, we're going to be heading over um, because Jordan sounds t- t- absolutely wonderful. And but when Ben and I spoke about it, it's seriously one of the places we want to come to next. I just want to thank you. I'm um, so it's, glad you said that. Well, it's been just lovely to talk to you as well because you've given us an even bigger and better insight into into being in Jordan and what we should be eating and cooking at home. Now, can you tell me, please, again? Uh, where we can find you um, at Beit City or any further information that people would like to follow up on after hearing you speak. Thank you, Julia. That was honestly beautiful what you just said. And I can't wait to meet you when you come to Jordan. So the way you want to get to Beit City is on the website. It's www.beitsitti.com. Thank you. And we'll put all that information on the show notes for our listeners because I'm sure they will want to know more. Thank you enormously for your time. It's been a great pleasure to talk to you. Now, listeners, we'd like to welcome Firaz Haddad to the show. Firaz is the Director of Marketing at Eagle Distilleries, which is a company that has been running in Jordan since 1953. Firaz is going to talk to us about Jordanian wine. And welcome to the show, sir. I'm glad to be here. It's a great Thank you for having me. Great pleasure. Now, can you tell us a little bit about Eagle Distilleries? The Eagle Distilleries is the oldest surviving distillery in Jordan. And it was built by uh, Midyab Haddad. Uh, he started by building several uh, copper pot stills to craft arak and brandy. Uh, and these uh, pot stills are still being used today to produce arak Haddad, the national drink of Jordan. Oh, can you describe it a little more? Um, the arak is uh, 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 an anise-based spirit. Yes. And uh, you, you drink it by mixing it with water and ice. And you have it with a tapas-style food, uh, uh, Mediterranean, uh, Middle Eastern dishes uh, that uh, really goes well with uh, this kind of spirit. So what inspired and, uh, him? Yeah. Sorry, I'm sorry for cutting across you, but what inspired him to put those flavors together? I think his, uh, his passion to wine uh, because uh, he was in the wine business before he uh, built the distillery. Um, and uh, venturing into wine came on uh, later in 1975, uh, where he built the first winery and uh, cellar in Jordan to bring back the art of winemaking uh, to the land that once uh, was famous for it. Oh, how long ago was Jordan famous for winemaking? Um, well, in, in Jordan, uh, there's a lot of uh, wine presses in uh, different areas uh, that dates back to uh, before 30 BC. Ooh. And uh, from all of the uh, evidence that uh, has been collected over the years, um, th- uh, there is an indication that winemaking was dominant in this region. And, and might I uh, ask if, what stopped yeah. it? Um, I believe um, all of the uh, wars um, and uh, the different civilizations that came through the area um, the, the probably um, affected uh, the continuation of winemaking. Hmm. 
But if if you go if you look at uh, uh, the National Geographic website uh, in 2010, they announced the uh, reveal of uh, a magical cave painting near Petra, uh, one of the seven wonders of the world. Uh, and this painting is more than 2,000 years old, and it offers a window to an ancient wine cult uh, of uh, of the people who used to inhabit this area, uh, the Nabataeans. Uh, um, and as uh, they are known, uh, who used to worship uh, Dushara, the god of wine. Yeah. And there's also this, uh, the story in, uh, uh, in the gospel, in the gospels where uh, Jesus turned water into wine uh, for the guests at the wedding uh, celebration in Cana, uh, Galilee. And, and the so wine was from were... there? Yeah. Wow. That's, uh, that's right. And, uh, you know, wines were produced in this region uh, if you go into uh, history books, you you know that uh, wines used to be exported from uh, this area to ancient Egypt, to the Roman Empire, and also to England. And today, it's our role to uh, revive this history. So it's it has the most amazing history. Then, so what what sorts of wines and spirits do you make now? Um, today, we produce Arak brandy. Gin, yes. vodka. We also uh, blend uh, whiskies. We produce liqueurs, uh, rum, uh, and of course the, the winning JR wines. Wow. Um, so, your particular grapes there, uh, Firaz? Uh, <clears throat> well, um, if you uh, if you know the story, you, you'll be amazed. Um, Basically, uh, we, we used to use local grape varieties for a, for a very long uh, time since we, uh, since we established the uh, winery and the cellar. And uh, in the uh, year 2000, we, we acquired the vineyards in the northern side of Jordan. Uh, the vineyards uh, are in a very unique uh, location in the north of Jordan. Uh, it's an area called uh, the Basel Desert. Um, Mafrak uh, Plateau, and uh, we started bringing different grape varieties from around the world. We have around 45 different grape varieties. Ah, yes. And uh, we started digging trenches to, uh, to plant uh, these vines, um, and it was very difficult because that area is, uh, uh, is, a, is a volcanic area, and we found layers of basil that was covering the vineyard, so it took us a while until we dug these trenches. But after we finished, we, we discovered a very dark soil beneath, the, uh, beneath the, the layers of basil. And apparently, this, uh, this area used to be a forest that was covered by the lava. Um, and we're tapping into soil, uh, a soil that's uh, millions of years old that's mm-hmm. never been used for agriculture. And, and is it uh, rich and wonderful? It's rich in minerals. Uh, it's uh, it's never been used, uh, but in the de- but it, it's in the desert, and uh, uh, everybody keeps asking us how how do you grow vines in the middle of the desert? Um, it's on an, an elevation of eight hundred uh, and forty meters. The breeze is fantastic. The sun is almost three hundred and thirty days, um, but. Uh, the water is uh, is uh, is not 
uh, is not the levels of rain is not very high. So if uh, um, you know Jordan is the world's second uh, water poorest country in the world. Oh, well, and we uh, sympathise uh, right now. <laughs> yes, it's really difficult here when it comes to water. Um, but to our luck, uh, the vineyards is uh, um, sitting on a, a natural aquifer, so all of the water. Uh, uh, of uh, the rain come uh, and the snow melting from the nearby Jabal al-Arab is all going beneath the vineyards, uh, accumulating in water aquifers. Uh, and we're pumping that water from 400 meters below the surface of the vineyard to irrigate the vines. Uh, so with those conditions, soil and water coming up, as it were, are your grapes sweeter, drier? What, what, what do you produce as a result of the conditions? Um, well, we're uh, growing uh, Pinot Noir in the middle of the desert, and that's uh, something that's, that never happened before. Uh, we also have uh, the Cabernets. Uh, we also have a Pinot Grigio, uh, a Chardonnay. So you can imagine with 45 different grape varieties, we, we almost have mo- most of the uh, wines that are available around the world. Um, the wines are different uh, than uh, what uh, Chardonnay from France would be. But, uh, you know, since 2004, the first harvest, uh, we've been uh, producing uh, a lot of different wines. And uh, today, JR Wines are winning awards all over the world. Uh, we're competing against famous countries in winemaking, and uh, uh, we have today more than 200 awards uh, with several gold medals in the States, uh, in France, uh, in Germany, and also in Australia. Some travellers may think that drinking alcohol in Jordan is a social taboo still, but that's not necessarily the case anymore. Is that correct? Uh, Yeah, that's correct. And uh, it's never been a taboo in Jordan. You know, uh, um, alcohol uh, uh, in Jordan is uh, uh, served uh, all over the country. Um, millions of tourists are visiting Jordan every year to enjoy uh, Jarash, Petra, Wadi Ram, the Red Sea, and uh, the city of Amman. And they can uh, enjoy uh, a wide range of restaurants, uh, bars, clubs, and lounges that serves uh, all, all kinds of alcoholic beverages. Um, you also can buy uh, alcoholic beverages uh, uh, from uh, specialized retail shops uh, that you'll find North, east, west, and south of Jordan. Can yeah. we just go and buy Jordanian wines anywhere here in Australia? Uh, not on the shelf, but you can order it directly from us. We deliver all around the world. Uh, however, you can find uh, Arak Haddad on Dan Murphy's on, on the, the website. On yeah. the website, okay. Now, yeah, that's right. Um, because We're working I- on the wines. The, the wines should be there soon. Well, that would be very good, you know, if we could get Jordanian wines there. Now, uh, can I ask, can I just move to eating and ask you if there are any restaurants in Amman that you would recommend for travellers who come there who just want to relax with good food and good wine? Uh, Absolutely. There's plenty of restaurants. Um, um, We have uh, several kinds of of cuisine, um, and of course, based on the preference of the traveler, you can you can choose the best. The best thing uh, is probably to go on uh, TripAdvisor and have a look and see 
uh, what's out there. But if you don't know the country and you want to uh, um, discover the places in Jordan, I recommend you go on the JR crawl. We do a crawl uh, once and, uh, and sometimes twice um, every month. Yes. Um, um, and uh, we take um, a group of people on, on the bus uh, to different locations so they can enjoy JR wines in different settings. Or if you want to enjoy a, a, gastronomic, a gastronomic experience, um, you should visit uh, our wine tasting room um, in the heart of Amman, uh, the JR uh, wine experience. And the experience is designed for you to uh, try uh, the wines that we produced and, and enjoy it with, uh, with food. Uh, and all of the food in the wine experience is designed around the wines. It sounds it sounds a very excellent experience to come there and do that. And I'm going to ask Looking you just... Looking forward to having you. Yes, yes, yes. I will track you down and you can give me your very, very good Please Shiraz. Do. <laughs> um, Firaz, Absolutely. Just before we go, if you if you were just... If you had 30 seconds to describe what we've just been talking about to somebody who knew nothing about wines in Jordan or Eagle Distilleries, what would you say? I would say... Uh, if you've never tried uh, wine from the desert, and um, if you want to try wines that's that's been produced for millions of years ago, you should really try wines of Jordan. Um, we're a new, new world uh, country in terms of wine, but uh, the wines uh, are incredible, and it's a hidden treasure to be discovered, as our winemaker keeps saying. Firaz, thank you very much. Now, before we go, can you let our listeners know where they can learn more about Eagle Distilleries? Yeah, sure. You can follow us on uh, Facebook uh, or Instagram, uh, uh, JR Wines Jordan, or uh, simply go to our website, jr.jo. Thank you very much. And I do hope when Jesus turned that water into wine, Firaz, that it was as good as your Shiraz. Thank you. Then, you know what, this is just such a wonderful pastime, sitting here and talking about it. Not quite as good as going, but however... It's up there. Uh, it is, isn't it? Mm. Enough to fill the travel soul, I mm-hmm. have to say. So um, I totally enjoy it. Thank you for all your information no too. I love nothing more than a good bit of travel natter. Me too. Mm. Yes. Mm. And you're good at it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And listeners, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe and uh, tell your friends and family all about Taste by Traveller. And we love hearing from you. So be sure to leave comments wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, we look forward to taking you on another journey soon. See you later, Ben. Ciao. And listeners, bye. Bye.